those children's workers. But as you know, we've been in a series uh, called Battle Ready. Battle Ready. And I just love that graphic that I found online. It's, it's, I wish I could say I came up with that, but that is intense. The chainmail and the, and the helmet and everything ready to go. We're battle ready. And we're trying to be battle ready in our lives. And, you know, there are tons of things in life we've talked about so far that are kind of like a battle, right? They can seem like a battle. So, you know, I, I, Sunday comes every week. How many know that? How many preachers watching this later say, yeah, amen. Sunday comes every single week. And so we got to sort of think about, okay, what, what else can be a battle in our lives? We talked about some things last week and the week before. Um, but I was thinking this week, um, how many drive a lot? Anybody on the highways and byways and, and, and ins and outs? You drive a lot. You got a lot of places to go, a lot, a lot of things to go. And you might have a commute to work and you might, you know, be in the rat race, right? You might be a commuter and you might go back and forth and you might do a lot of driving. And if you do, like me, put on some miles, um, you know, traffic can be a bit of a battle. And the church said, amen. And, you know, you get those people. I, my, my daughter was just telling me the other night. She said, Dad, I'm in the lane. I'm in the right lane. There's, there's, there's a turning lane here, but it doesn't keep going. And the guy behind me gets all mad, and he's laying on his horn. She's like, what did I do? And that's kind of an unnerving for a new driver, right? It's kind of like, what, what, what? Am I, am I doing something wrong? Maybe he's been driving longer than me, and I have something I don't know. So then, he, he, I mean, he goes out and around, and he gets all mad. And, and then, you know, if you're like me, and I think some of you might be, when, how many people let other drivers get you all riled up? When they are miles ahead and they're gone, you're still fired up. Let me get up there and I'll tell them, I'll tell them what. And then you get to the traffic light, right? And then they're sitting next to you at the traffic light. And what do you do? Everybody knows when you turn the radio up, you disappear, right? So you just turn the radio louder like I wasn't doing nothing. But you get all mad at that other driver, right? And you get fired up and, and it can well up inside you. All of a sudden you find yourself like, wow, how could he? And I'm, I'm going to get up. And you get all fired up. And you realize, you know, hey, I'm mad at this guy because you know what? He's going on into traffic. He could hurt somebody else. And you'd like to think that that's the real reason that you're getting all worked up is because, you know, there's a chance that they could actually, they're jeopardizing someone else's safety. And that's your concern, Right. Is it really your concern or is it really about you? <laughs> is it really mostly about you and like how mad you got that he did that and they shouldn't have and they, how dare they and they don't have the right to and it's all about me. And it really is all about us, right? A lot of things in life when we, when we circle back and look at it, it's all about us. And we certainly live in a culture that tends to make it all about us. Um, you talk about marketing and advertising and even, you know, commercials. And, you know, you think about what's on TV these days, right? And, you know, you used to watch TV. And some of you might raise your hand, you might not. You remember when there was like three channels? That's it. We have three channels. And sometimes you got to bang on the top to get that third or fourth one, right? It's all funny. And then whammo, and oh, there it is. It's back. And I know some people have a hard time understanding, young people would have a hard time understanding that, but a long time ago, we had, whatever was put in front of us, that's what we had to watch. Whatever was there, that's what, that's what we were watching. But now, you have all kinds of, of apps and subscription services, and we get like curated playlists now. And that means that we can, as we watch certain types of programming, 
there's computers and algorithms that figure out kind of what we're into. And man, I could tell a lot about your life if y'all handed me your phone right now. And I looked at your YouTube or your Instagram or all that stuff because those algorithms now curate and they populate what you're into. So if I start scrolling and I start seeing stuff and you go, I'm a pastor, I don't know how that got on there. Well, I do. (laughs) Because the algorithms, right, are smart enough to recognize your interests. Sometimes I appreciate that. Because I'm thinking, you know what, I never thought of that. Or I didn't know about that software or that this. So I click and I'll click some stuff, you know, like they suckered me in. I saw the ad, I clicked it. And sometimes I do. And I know that just feeds to the algorithm and I'm going to start seeing more. But it really gets creepy when you start talking about something. Come on, has anybody ever seen it? Something's going on. You start talking about something and then it comes up on your feed. What's really creepy is you talk about something and it comes on your TV. Like, we were just talking about, it's funny at first. And then you think, well, wait a second. But you get these curated lists now and you don't just have to watch what is in front of you. Because it's all about you now. It's all about you and what you're into and what your interests are. The worst thing is when someone logs into your subscription under your profile and starts watching things, and then you tune in and you're like, what is all this? I'm not, what's this romance stuff? Where's all the blowing up stuff that I used to be curated? And now there's all this stuff. But we have these curated playlists, and we're kind of getting used to, whether we're aware of it or not, things playing into our needs. And our wants, me, my, my needs. In fact, you know, how many times are you maybe just, just kind of mentioning something and, and then all of a sudden it's everywhere. Or maybe it's, you know, you used to, you know, just eat, and, and this is another subject too, food. When you used to just eat what your family had, how many grew up in the house? You ate what was on the table. Somebody, oh man, I struck a nerve. Hold on church. You come out and what's on the table, that's what's for dinner. And you'll eat it and you'll like it. Or you won't eat it and you'll go hungry. Don't admit that you're doing that these days. Someone will call on you. But now you can order food and everybody's can, oh, you know what? I'm, let's all eat something different. And it gets delivered right to your door from your favorite places. You can get it exactly the way you want it. You can even track it. Where's my food? Oh, there it is. It's in process. Whatever that means. And then you track it afterward. You say, okay, it's in process. And it's getting processed. And then it's at my house. And then you pay for it. And the tracking ends there. It's pretty funny if a couple days later you could tune back in and it's back in process. Being processed by you. All right, I didn't want to go there. Y'all ate your breakfast already. But you get these kind of things that, that are curated just for you. And it's all about you. And what's going to make your life easier and your life better. And that's exactly what the opposite of what we're going to be talking about. This morning, instead of being able to just kind of delete and mute and add and create your own little bubble around your own little world around you, it's really easy for us to start to make life about ourselves because these are the things that are happening automatically. But what we're talking about today and the reason we're talking about this today and it's so important is that the power of worship, the power of worship, worship is really a reminder in our life. That it's not about me. It's about God. 
It isn't about my fame or my notoriety. It's about God's fame and his notoriety. It's not all about my comfort. It's all about God's name. And when I, when I get that orientation in my mind, it empowers me, empowers us to be battle ready. A God first life is a big life. It's a big life. A me first life can actually be pretty small. But a God first life is a big life. And worship reflects a God first life. When you put God first in your life, he actually goes first into your battles. Amen. That's right. That was a good place for an amen. When God is first in your life, he, he goes first into your battles. You know, when you put God first. So, you know, we've been talking about how to manage our battles, right? And be battle ready and, and how that works. And a lot of us, we're facing battles in our lives. And we've been looking over the last several weeks at these tools that God has given us already to face those battles and to be battle ready. Week one, remember we talked about prayer as one of the ways that we get battle ready. We said we have an unfair advantage over the world. We can go to the God of the universe who controls everything with our prayers and with our requests and with our burdens and with our concerns and we can turn it over to him. That's an unfair advantage when it comes to the things of the world. Last week, we talked about God's word. Remember that. It was a way that we can get battle ready talking about his word. And today, we're going to dive into worship and all of these things that remind us that life fundamentally is not about us, but it's about God. That we are ultimately second to who he is. And this empowers us. This, this, when we get this in our minds, it empowers us to depend on him in our lives. And it reminds us that God doesn't just want to be number one in your praise, but he wants to be number one in your problems as well. He wants to be number one in your situation. Whatever you have for him, he's ready for it. And when you put him first, he goes first into the battle. So today we're going to look at the story of Jehoshaphat or Jehoshaphat. And I love that name, huh? right? Any new moms, anybody that's expecting, uh, ready to go? Um, just saying, the Bible's a good place to get some names. Je- Are y'all with me this morning? Y'all tracking with me? Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat ruled at a time in, in, in Israel where the Israelites had land and they were actually going through sort of a religious revival at this time. And, and it's like amazing things were happening with the Israelites, right? Spiritually in their lives. They were growing in their faith. They're leaning into God. God's moving and working in their hearts and their lives and, and, and moving. And it's an awesome time. And, but precisely when we're having, they're having this religious revival of sorts, three different armies show up at Israel's border and they declare war on Israel, which goes to remind some of us that, you know, this whole COVID experience has you know, been an experience that has flipped your life upside down in many ways. And even though, even though that's true, you've been through your own sort of spiritual religious awakening, right? During this time in this season, you might be open more now to God than ever before in your life. You've been coming to church. You've been watching online. Some of you, have, I know for personally, there have been people that have gotten to know Jesus as Savior during this whole time. Because you know what? Sometimes when the battle shows up at your doorstep, you got to know where to turn. And you've been, you've been leaning in, and some of you prayed more in the last year than you've ever prayed in, in any point in your whole life. And because you're leaning into God and leaning into your faith at this time, that doesn't mean you won't face some battles. 
And it's precisely what King Jehoshaphat is he's doing. He's leading this religious revival in this land of Israel. And that's when the armies show up at the door, when things are going excellent and awesome. And you could almost argue that when you actually start you know, walking closer with God, you can expect a bit of a battle. When you start walking closely with God, expect the armies to show up. They'll show up right at your door sometimes. And, and this is the case where these three armies, not just one, and King Jehoshaphat, he knows like this is kind of crazy and he knows that he can't handle this on his own. So he calls the people to prayer and fasting. And then we see this in, the, in, in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I held you in suspense long enough. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. He calls the people to, to, fair, to, to, to prayer and fasting. And right around verse 6, we get to see where God, he asked God to move and to work. And when we get to this red word on the screen, remember, remember that's what we do. We're, I'm going to read it out, but when we get to that red word, we're all going to say it together, right? Because we all know that we're awake this morning. All right. He says this. He said, he prayed. O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are the ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty, everybody here, what? No one can stand against you. He says, God, you know what? You are awesome. You're strong, you're powerful, and no one can stand against you. So he acknowledges who God is, first and foremost. He leans into God publicly and he says, God, we need you. He calls his people to prayer and fasting and he's publicly praying this prayer. And he says, God, we need you. And if you read on, he actually says, you know, we're helpless. When's the last time you heard a leader of anything get up and go, okay, we're helpless. He goes, we are helpless. We're powerless, God. We can't beat these armies. We need you. So he leads out with this prayer and he leads out with worship. He tells God how awesome he is. And he acknowledges that God is first. You alone are the God is in heaven. And when it comes to worship in our lives, we put God first when we worship. And when you think about worship, somebody defined worship is this way. Worship is bringing all that you are to celebrate all that God is. Worship is bringing all that you are, I mean all that you are, to celebrate all that God is. And if we can go into a sports arena and make a bunch of noise and yell and cheer and shout and clap for our favorite sports team who may be not even that good, how many, right? I'm not going to call out any particular team, but there are some teams that don't win as much as others, and yet they have rabid fans and sit there and cheer and clap and roar and shout for a team that's not even that good. And they know it's going to come, and they know it's going to be, it's going to be bad, and it's just going to be, oh, we're going, to, we're going to lose again. But they come up, and they show up, and they shout. How much more should we worship and praise and clap and make noise for our God, who is loving and good and merciful and has done so much for our lives? If you're breathing and here this morning, you have a reason to give God your worship. Now, worship is music, right? It is music, but it's not just music. So many times, you know, we say we're moving into the praise and worship time, right? And they think that's the music time. Here we go. But it's, it's, it's just responding. It, it's music, but not just music. It's responding with everything in our lives. 
And here's the thing. Jehoshaphat, he prays, he cries out to God, he puts God first in his life, and here's the paradox and the mystery that we see in his life. See, when, when you step down and off of your throne, God steps up. When you step off of your throne in your life, God tends to step up when you give him the worship. When he, and Jehoshaphat realizes that, and he says, God, you alone are God. You're the ruler of the kingdoms of the earth. These kingdoms that are attacking us right now, you're the ruler of those two. You're powerful and mighty, and no one can stand against you. So Jehoshaphat is just stepping down. He's saying, you know what? I'm not in control of this anymore, God. You are. We're going to worship you, and God, we're going to step down so that you can step up. God steps up, and we ask him for his help. And the first thought for this morning is this. When you lift God up, he tends to shake things up. When you lift God up, he tends to shake things up. When you step down off that throne in your life and you begin to praise him and worship him, and Jehoshaphat models this for the people, and the Spirit of God falls on the people in Second Chronicles, and it tells us that one individual is inspired as a spokesman for God, and he speaks up, and he speaks a prophetic word over Jehoshaphat and over the people, and it's in Second Chronicles uh, 20.15, and it's kind of our key verse that we've looked at throughout this whole teaching series, and it goes something like this. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not, read it with me, yours the battle is not yours but god's yell across the aisle at somebody and say the battle's not yours the battle's not yours and some of you you can't even hear that enough right now because the battle is not yours alone you may still have to face the battle and it may come to your doorstep and it may be multiple battles like it was for jehoshaphat multiple armies but you have a god who will own the battle right beside you. You have a God who is bigger than the battle. We said that last week. You have a God that will stand with you in the battle. And worship reminds us that God is with us, that God stands beside us. And that's why it's so important to come together as a church body And do what we do when we worship together. We sing and we worship. What are we doing? We're lifting God up. We're acknowledging who God is. We're humbling ourselves before him. And in doing that, we're going to get strength. We're going to get power. And we're going to be able to move forward in the battle in our lives. That's why this is so important. Gathering together. Worshiping the God that died for us together. And we become battle ready. And look, I get it. Sometimes just getting here can be a battle. I know that. Sometimes getting to church even can be a bit of a battle, right? I know. And sometimes, like we sang last week, it feels like we're surrounded. (laughs) And we're surrounded by so many battles and so many enemies. And sometimes Sunday morning just trying to get to church can be sometimes, for some of you, the most stressful time of the week. And it can be hard to get here, I know. And the kids, get them ready and get them dressed and get them out the door. And and sometimes you fight all the way to church, right? And then you think, no, then it's just you. It's not just you. You're coming physically. Some of of us pull right into the church lot. And and there's there's this speech that has to happen. And it comes usually from the front seat. And the speech kind of comes something like this. Listen, pull it together 
act like we love each other. We'll resume this fight when we get back in this parking lot. That's just the way it happens. I know that. You think you're the only one that happens to, and it's not. What you need to understand, it's happening to a lot of people that pull into this lot because that's just life. Life is hard. Life is full. Full, chock full of battles. And how we show up to worship. And this is why we sing, because it fills us with God's power. And it empowers us because we get off the throne and we worship and we lift God up. And when we lift Him up, He shakes things up. It reminds us, worship does, of who God is. And, 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 and bowing down spiritually, and, and, and it's not, this is not bailing out, right? It's humbling ourselves before God. It's not quitting, it's not giving up, but it's actually empowering us to get rejuvenated through worship and get back in the battle. And we're acknowledging when we come together in worship and we praise, and not just the singing, that God is first, in our lives. And we're singing in the face of our enemy and our problems. And some of you are like, well, you know what, preacher, I, I can't really even sing. I, I can't sing and I can't carry a tune in a bucket. And the Bible doesn't say you have to make a perfect noise. The Bible doesn't even say you need to make an on pitch noise. It says that you need to make a joyful noise. Emphasis on joyful and noise. And some of you that, that can't sing, um, you, you love this this pandemic thing that we're kind of in for, for what we're doing here because people can't tell whether you're singing or not. Hey, you don't know if I'm singing the wrong. It could be the one next to me. You don't know. But as you grow in your faith, whether you're a singer or not, you realize that the power of music and you realize the worship, fundamentally, it's not about us. And as you grow in your faith, it's not even about the style of music, come on somebody. It's not about whether you like the songs this week or last week. You know, listen, you got a place, you got to get to a place where you come to worship together into the building for God and not for you, not for the speaker, not for anything else, not for the songs, but for God. For God. You come to worship for God, you show up here for God. Nothing to do with the person to your right or to your left or in front or in back or standing up here. It's for God and God alone is why you show up here on a Sunday morning. And nothing to do with your agenda or the person or the thing or the instruments or how bad I play guitar or how bad the person next to you sings. Or it's got nothing to do with how good they are seeing the grandkids or not. Or It's got nothing to do coming to church for God. Got to get to a place where that's why you come. It's about God and lifting him up and putting him first in your life. Your problems are going to try to convince you, right, that they're way too big for you to handle and too big to solve. Your enemy is going to say, you know what, you got no business going to that church. These obstacles and your enemy will try and say, you know what, he'll try and scare us into thinking that these are way too big for you to handle because they keep coming and they keep coming. And just about the time you got one done, you got another one right behind it. Whatever opposition you're facing in your life or oppositions in your life, the enemy's going to try to scare you into feeling so alone and so like you're the only one going through this and powerless. So what I want to encourage you to do during those times, worship. 
Worship reminds you that no one can stand against the one who stands with you. Remember the slide before, if I can go back. No one can stand against you. This is the God that stands with you, is the one that no one else can stand against. That's what we do when we worship. We realize and we give it to God saying, you know what? He's limitless. He's powerful. Worship gives you courage. It gives you inspiration. It gives you hope. And it gives you clarity that you need to step forward into the fight. Not maybe clarity about how things will turn out. But clarity knowing that no matter what happens, your God is with you and no one can stand against you. In fact, the battle isn't even yours. Further on in the New Testament where he says, you know what? Your battle isn't against flesh and blood. The battle isn't yours. Stop it. No matter what happens, your God is with you and no one can stand against you. I've seen in my own life, and I'm sure you have too, that trouble sometimes is a test to see if you're going to put God first. When troubles and battles come to your front door and come to your doorstep and come into your life, what are you going to do? You're going to put God first? And that's one of the best ways we can put him first is when we worship. And did you know that worship, and it's a lyric in a song, that worship can actually become your weapon in the battle. Your worship becomes a weapon. The song says, my weapon is a melody. And that's what it means. My weapon, I'm going to sing. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Because my worship becomes a weapon. And that's how I prepare to become battle ready. I worship. Because when we sing and when we worship, and we don't have to, like I said, carry the tune. Just, just cry out to him. God, you're so worthy. Well, however you do it. But it shifts the focus from our problem to our provider. Right? It shifts. We shift from our situation to our sustainer. From the enemy to our advocate. From the fight to the one who fights with you. When we lift up God, he shakes things up. When we lift God up, he shakes things up. Second thought when it comes to worship in our lives. And that is to do this. To stand in praise. Stand in praise. It's how we leverage our worship as a weapon. It's how we leverage this this thing called worship as a weapon in the battle. How many music people do I have in the audience? How How many music people? You like music. Music's kind of your thing, right? Like music people. Have you ever noticed how long a song can stick in your head? Have you ever noticed that? I mean, a song can stick in your head like forever. In fact, I pulled up some old classic songs and I, from a few different genres. And I just want to see if you can fill in the blanks. All right, help me out. Here's the first one. Bless the Lord, oh my Very good, very good. Now here's a test of your faith. Oh, my soul. Can't buy me love. Look at you. I was even on key. Can't buy me love. Right. How many know every single word? A lot of us. I I could probably, maybe. How about this one? I can't get no heathens. You're in the right place. I can't get no satisfaction. Right. How about this one? I got friends in. Let's pray. Low places. We'll redeem it. Shout to the Lord. All the earth. 
we're going to skip that one. Let us sing. The old song, shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. But these lyrics get in our heads. And I could fire off some lyrics, and so could you, from songs that you grew up with that just stick in your head. They're like they're implanted there. And I know, you know, your mom used to tell, tell you all the time, be careful that music you're listening to. It'll impact you. And I said, no, not me. I'm above all that. You know, it doesn't affect me. But I could still rip off lyrics from 20 years ago. They're still in my mind. And the same is true of worship. There's a power when we put biblical words and imagery to music and we sing it and we reinforce it and we sing it again. There's a power. Sometimes you, you need to just turn off the classic rock. And I know some of you know the words, so I know what y'all are listening to. But you need to turn off the, the, the old classic stuff and turn on the worship music, turn on the gospel, turn on the praise music. You put on that music that will lift your spirits, your heart, and enable you to be battle ready. You start putting these images to music and the things in scripture and the things that people have been through. And that's why I say it's so important. And this isn't here. This is a bonus. But these things preachers say, right? This isn't in my notes. This is a bonus. This one's for free. But that's why it's so important that we sing the songs that are relevant and being sort of uh, popular in the, in the moment, right? We sing some that we, we've sang for years, but we also sing the songs that these, God has gifted these worship leaders for today. People are going through some stuff today, and they're very relevant for people that are going through the stuff today. We all want to sing, you know, all the, all the great, oh, and pretend everything's all right. But sometimes we need to know that there's another in the fire. Sometimes we need to know that we're going through some stuff and the world is going through some stuff and so are you and so am I. And these relevant worship songs that are created for this time, such a time as this, you got to believe that God has gifted those people to sing those songs and to write those songs. So why wouldn't we sing them? Because they're framed and they're put together for just this time in history. God comes to Jehoshaphat. And he's, the three armies are at the door, and it's ugly, and it's bad, and he cries out to God. He doesn't know what to do, and he speaks through this. God speaks through the prophet, and he said, the Lord's with you. The battle's not yours. God's going to move, and God's going to work through it. And then he tells Jehoshaphat, here's what I want you to do. Jehoshaphat, I want you to send the worship leaders out first. Well, thank you very much. Not the Israeli Israelite SEAL team. Not the Israelite, like, special ops. Get the band guy. Send him out. Send the singers and the worship leaders out first. This is in the scripture. I'm going to read it in a second. Send them out ahead of the army, and they're going to praise my name, and then the army's going to follow them. So in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, over in verse 21, we see this. After consulting the people, the king appointed the singers to walk ahead of the army. There it is. What, are you kidding me? You know in every horror, horror film, the worship leader dies first. No, but he sends these pieces, send send the praise team out. The singers walk ahead. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord and his faithful love endures forever. They sang these words. Now think about this. Jehoshaphat's whole family and whole uh, lineage and whole, whole, the Israelites are on the line. His people are on the line. This could be his very life. This could be your life, your kids, your life. It's bad right now. The army's there. The battle's there. It's at your front door. This is 911, and it's time to get moving, and something has to happen. And they get out there and they sing, Give thanks to the Lord, even though we might die. Give thanks 
to the Lord. Even though we don't know what's going to happen in the future, give thanks to the Lord because His love endures forever. They give thanks. They're in a battle and they find a way to give thanks. They praise, they worship. They don't know what's coming in the future and yet they give thanks. It's horribly unjust and incredibly unfair and we don't know what's going to happen, but they give thanks. Their worship is their number one weapon. Before the battle, before the army comes in, before all that, they're going forward and worship is our number one weapon. Now check on what happens later on. They give thanks to the Lord and his faithful love endures forever. And then check this out. When we get to the red word, let's say it together. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise to the Lord, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. At the moment when they sang, at that very moment, the first note, God basically takes the army and they, got, they all get confused. Like, what? Aren't we supposed to be fighting? What's go- Who are you? I don't even know you anymore. And they start fighting among themselves and they actually defeat themselves. It's worship that goes before the battle. And worship goes before, just like God goes before in our lives. God makes a way. When we worship first, when we set him apart, when we say, God, you're in charge, the battle's not mine, it's yours, and no one can come against you, the worship that we have, worship is our weapon to be battle ready. One of the main reasons we worship is because God is worthy of that worship. He's worthy of praise. He is worthy. God is always worthy. So we can come and we can make a joyful noise to him. By the way, that side note, that doesn't mean bring your own tambourine from home and your own guitar and sit out here and join us. We kind of do our thing up here, all right? Just saying. But we make a joyful noise for the Lord, right? Because he created us. God is worthy because we're his children. He's worthy because we were his idea. He's worthy because he's good. God is worthy of our praise because he's kind. He's worthy because he's compassionate. He's worthy because he's holy and he's true. And he's the, what, the, what the Bible says, he is the father of lights in whom there is no shadow. He's worthy because he's faithful. He's worthy because he sees us through the ups and the downs. He's faithful through our failures and our sin. And he forgives us and he's faithful through the breakup or faithful through the addiction or faithful for whatever battle comes to your doorstep. He's faithful through the dark times and the valleys. And he's worthy because he loves you when it hurts. He loves you when it cost him everything in Jesus. He is worthy. And when you're in the middle of a battle and you can't even see in front of you Sometimes you just need that reminder that God is worthy even though my situation is filled with suffering. God is worthy even though there are armies at the gate, armies at the border. Whatever battle, whatever army comes to the border of your life, God is worthy. He's worthy because Jesus died for you. He's worthy because Jesus rose again for you and he's worthy because jesus is alive standing before the throne giving intercession for you the bible says for you jesus god has never failed never compromised he's worthy because he purchased you with his blood we are bought and paid for by his Blood and his goodness sets us free. Free to serve him, free to follow him, free to reign with him. All of these truths found out all throughout scripture. 
Jesus is worth your praise because he declared that you were worth his sacrifice. And so we come and we lift him up and he shakes things up. And as for me, I'm going to stand and praise him. I'm going to praise him when the times are good. I'm going to praise him when times aren't so good. I'm going to praise him when I feel blessed and I'm going to praise him when I feel utterly broken. I'm going to praise him when the money's good. I'm going to praise him when the money dries up. I'm going to praise him when others notice me. I'm going to praise him when I'm ignored. I'm going to praise him when I'm overwhelmed with love. And I'm going to praise him when I feel abandoned. I'm going to praise him when I feel safe. And I'm going to praise him when I feel threatened. I'm going to praise him when I feel understood. And I'm going to praise him when I feel misunderstood. I will praise him when I feel like it. And perhaps most importantly, I will praise him when I don't feel like it. My worship and my praise is my weapon. And in the midst of what is going on in your life, in the midst of all of that, you will see God move. You will see God work and shake things up in your life. This sermon is about being battle ready in worship through worship. And I think we should praise him. I think I can't preach and just end it on an amen and send y'all home. I think we should praise him. I found a video online and it's a very familiar song. And I want you to take just a few moments. Can we take three or four minutes at the end of a service? That's why I left a few minutes at the end of it. So y'all wouldn't be shaking your keys and closing your Bibles. Worrying about the roast at home might burn. One preacher said, you don't stick around, you might burn. (laughs) Wasn't me. Somebody else said it. Someone I know. I want us just to take a few moments and watch this and listen to it online and all of that. Let's praise him. Let's give him some time. And let's reflect, reflect on what you've just heard, reflect on all of your past and all the battles that have come to your doorstep and how you can, you can either choose to deal with that without God, or you can, you know what, say, you know what, my worship is my, my worship is my weapon. And if you've had any kind of battle come into your life, and I know most of you, it's time just to sit back and realize the power of God that's been active in your life, putting him first and using your worship as a weapon. We're going to watch it together. I'm going to sit right here next to Randy. Oh Lord my God When I in awesome wonder Consider all The world's hands have made I see the stars I hear the rolling thunder That howls throughout The universe is played And then sings my soul My Savior 
sit and sing about how great God is. We have the opportunity and the privilege and the unfair advantage at our fingertips, at our words. All we need to do, all we need to do is worship. It put God it puts God first. It gets us battle ready. When we worship, that's what we're doing. We put God first. Would you stand? We'll have a word of prayer together. And we'll dismiss. And I pray that 
the words that was shared were shared this morning, that the Holy Spirit would translate those to your hearts and to your minds. And that somehow, some way, you would leave here different than you came in. Because you realize that you need to put God first in your life. That the battles you've been fighting have been much, have been real, you've been relying on your own strength to fight those battles. And I hope that when you get to the end of this sermon for sure, and the end of this message about worship, my prayer is that you would not try to fight the battle on your own from this day on. From the moment you leave here on, that the battles that have come to your doorstep, even this morning, or maybe they've been there a long, long, long time. Maybe you have a long history with this battle. But that you would realize that first of all, the battle is not yours, but it's God's. And if that is the fact, that, uh, that is the truth, and we look at the scripture and it says, the battle is not yours, it belongs to me, God says. Then the God that fights for you, the God that you will worship and the God that you will praise and you will use that worship as your weapon, then that God, no one can stand against that God. No one. Not a single person. Not that person you're thinking of right now that's given you so much grief in your life and has been... Maybe that person's been a battle for you. But when you praise first and you worship and you put God first, he'll shake things up. You don't have to fight that battle. In fact, it's not even yours to fight. It's God's. And no one and nothing can stand against him. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus this morning, I pray God that Somehow, some way, the words that came off the pages of your word this morning would be translated and we, God, we would realize that praise and worship is our weapon. Praise, worship to you, the God who is worthy. And God, you sent the armies out second. You sent the cavalry out second. You sent the praise and the worship out first. God, that's got to speak to our life this morning. That God, if we put that priority on worship and we put you first because you're deserving and you're worthy and you're worth it. We realize, Lord, that you thought that we were worth it enough to send your son to sacrifice everything, his very life. That fact alone, Lord, should make us check us and say, you know what? We, we need to worship this God. And God, the battles that have found their way to our doorsteps, each individual person who is listening to the sound of my voice right now has had their fair share. If anyone is here and has lived through the rest of the, the previous year, God, we've had our fair share of battles. And God, might the battle that brings itself to our doorstep, God, might we realize that this battle is not ours, but it's yours. And that, God, we would not take a stand and we would not try to fight this battle on our own. You're with us through it. It doesn't even belong to us. God, we turn it over to you this morning. 
We turn these battles over to you. We just turn it over. And God, when we do that, it frees us to worship you even more. When we turn these battles over to you, God, it frees us to worship. Might the battles that that come into our lives never, ever, ever hinder or come in between or come before our desire to worship you, God. The battles that come, God, the struggles, the diagnosis, the in-your-faces, all of these things, God, when they come to our lives, let us turn it over to you, God, and God, let that not be a hindrance for us to be able to worship you. For God, in your presence, really, we heard the song, you're so great. How great you are, how great thou art. And God, in your presence, really, we look at these battles and they pale in comparison to who you are in our lives. And when we worship God, that is first and foremost, God, our weapon. And Lord, when we praise you, we are showing ourselves and showing the world that we don't fight our battles alone. We don't fight our battles with, with, with hopeless outlooks. God, we stand with you. You stand with us in the battle. And God, we don't have to go through it by ourselves. God, help us to get this reality into our hearts and lives. This true fact that comes from your true, absolute true word that says we don't need to fight these battles. They belong to you. And so, Lord, through prayer, through your word, and through worship, God, we will fight these battles with you on our side. We will go through them. God, just because we apply these principles doesn't mean that we will not have to go through the battle. We may need to go through a battle. But God, I pray that that battle would be covered in grace and that worship would come first. Prayer would come first. Your word, what it says, the living word of your spirit would get Lord inside of us and all of a sudden our battles they're nothing we'll go through them and they will be hard and they will be heavy some of them but God ultimately you are in full control we surrender to you this morning that's our participation in this we surrender Lord we worship you we give you the praise and you the glory And we will do that beforehand. Before we get into the battle, we will praise, we will worship. God, when we're in the thick of it, we will remember to praise and to worship. And God, when the battle is over, we will praise and we will worship. You're so great. So awesome. We stand in awe of you. Jehovah God. This morning we turn it over to you. We surrender to you. Our battles. 
And as we close this morning and as we're still in this time of prayer and worship, with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I'll give you an opportunity. I want to pray for you. First of all, if you're going through a battle and you're ready to give that battle to God this morning and you're just done, you're just done with it because you realize it's not yours anyway. You're just going to turn it over to him. It's what he tells us to do. If that's you this morning, you say, you know what? I'm turning this battle over to God. It is no longer mine. I will fight in the battle, but I know that God's got the battle. If that's you this morning, we'll lift you in prayer. Just lift your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm surrendering the battle to God. It belongs to him. I don't own it. It is his. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hands all over. Amen. Amen. I want you to claim that victory this morning because your participation is the surrender. You say, God, I'm giving it to you. I'm not going to fight this battle anymore alone. I'm not going to try to do it on my own or get, God, it's yours. I give it to you and I'm not going to take it back. (laughs) If you've given that to the Lord, give it to him. Don't hold on to it. Don't take it back. Give it to him. Father, in the name of Jesus this morning, powerful and mighty and all-knowing, the name of Jesus. God, those that have had the courage to say, you know what? I'm giving this battle to you, God. I'm surrendering. Here you go. God, would you walk through this? Would you take this battle as though it is not mine? And God, I pray that you would take this battle. Because if I have you, Lord, to walk through it with me, and you own it and I don't, then I can rely on you for your help. And no one can stand against you. And so, God, for those who have had the courage to do that this morning, I pray, Lord, that you would be closer than they have ever known you to be in their lives. That, Lord, somehow, some way, they pressed into you this morning in that surrender, that act of participation. They said, you know what? I'm giving it to you, Lord. I'm, in effect, laying it on the altar, Lord, and giving it to you. This is your battle. They will praise and they will worship before, during, and after. And we will rejoice with them, Lord, when we hear the testimony of how you are bringing them through and how you brought them through, God. Every person in this room, I believe, would, would, would agree, Lord, that there's been some times. And Lord, you are faithfulness and you've brought us through. And God, we can rejoice in that fact. And might those, Lord, that are surrendering this battle in their lives to you this morning know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the person to the left of them and to the right and the front and back have had that all through their lives and they can say you know what God brought us through and we'll praise you now we'll praise you in the middle of it and we'll praise you when it's over God I thank you in advance for what you're about to do God those that need to surrender I pray Lord that they would surrender and Lord they would realize that you have got their battle Oh, God, I could praise you and pray to you all day. I thank you, Lord, for the many blessings that you've bestowed on your people that I could look across this room and realize the battles that they've been through. Some of us have the scars to prove it, God. But we look at that, Lord, and we say, you know what? God brought me through. Thank you, Jesus. Now, God, would you go with us as we leave this place?
And even though we leave this physical place, Lord, where we're gathered together, might we not leave your presence when we walk out this door. And might the world be different because we've been with you this morning. Might your glory shine all over us, Lord, when we go out and we go to lunch or go visit wherever we're going or spending time together, God. Wherever you are, wherever we go from this place, God, would people know that we've been in the presence of Almighty God. I thank you, Lord. I praise you. I will worship you, Lord. I will worship you before, during, and after. In Jesus' powerful name, and everybody agreed saying amen and amen. God bless you all. Thank you all for coming this morning. And uh, we will see you all in just a few days.